people who went with Ezra uh, from Babylon, you know, Medo-Persia, uh, over into Jerusalem in this second exodus. Now, I'm not going to read all the names here, but for the sake of reading, if you look at verse 1, these are now the chief of their fathers. This is the genealogy of them that went up with me from Babylon in the reign of Artaxerxes the king. Go to verse 15. And I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there abode we in tents three days, and I viewed the people and the priest and found there none of the sons of Levi. Verse 21, beyond that point, he says, at this same location, uh, Ahava, uh, he proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Verse 31, Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go unto Jerusalem. The hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and of such as lay in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode, and abode there three days. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Father, we come before you tonight. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you glory and honor and praise. God, I ask you to inspire me, ask you to anoint me, to speak tonight to this people, to this church. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon us. I ask you to help us, God, to serve you in a way that would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Okay, we see uh, in the 8th chapter the list of those that are going to return uh, with Ezra back to Jerusalem from Babylon. Uh, the list records 1,500 people, a little bit less than 1,500 men uh, that make their way from Babylon to Jerusalem. They are the chief, the heads of the tribes and also priests that will return, not counting women or children. So if you put the women and the children in here, we've got um, sure less than 5,000 people that are going to make their way back with Ezra uh, to Jerusalem. The 1,500 men, chiefs, and priests, etc., uh, will make their way back with Ezra to Jerusalem with children and with their wives. Now you'll notice when you have time, you can read all of their names and how many of them there were of each one of these families. So we have a register that is given here as to who left Babylon and who went back up to Jerusalem. Now what is important about that is that it is basically a record of the church. It is the Israel of God, the true Israel of God. Those that are concerned about the things of God, they are concerned enough about the things of God that they are willing to leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem. So, this register here, basically, if you can understand it this way, is a church role. These are people who are part of the church of the living God. They are concerned about the things of God. Okay? Praise the Lord. And uh, willing enough to, uh, are concerned enough about the things of God that they're willing to leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem. Now, when we see the earthly role, we have to remember there is a heavenly role. So let's go to Revelation 20 and verse 11. 
Revelation 20 and verse 11. Now, the earthly role or the church role is important. It is important for us to be a member of a church because the register, a registrar, or the membership role of a church will be seen in the heavens as well. So if you're a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ on earth, then it will be seen in heavenly registers. So in Revelation chapter 20, the Bible tells us if you'll look there in verse 11, when God's sitting upon His throne uh, in Jesus Christ, He's going to uh, judge. We see on the great white throne here, uh, it says, I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And then I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So what we have here is we have books. We have the book books of the dead, and then we have the book of life for the books of the living. And so there is a register of people who are a part of the dead, and the dead are judged out of those books. We have the books of the dead. But then we have another book. It's a register... It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. These people that are in the Lamb's Book of Life are people who have come out of Babylon, Revelation 17 and 18. They have come out of Babylon and they have entered into the heavenly city, the Jerusalem of God. And when they are in that heavenly city, then we see these books open, this register of those who belong to the church while they were on the earth. People who are registered in a church on the earth will be registered in a church in heaven. I'm talking about God's church. I'm not talking about some religious institution of man. I'm talking about people who have been born again of the water and the Spirit. They are in God's church and in God's kingdom. They've come out of Babylon, whether it be religious Babylon, the confusion that's in that religion, or political or economical Babylon. These people have come out of Babylon. They are interested in the things of God and they love God and they have been born unto God. And so now we see them in the Lamb's book of life. But it's important for you to understand in order for you to be in the Lamb's book of life in that register, it's important that you understand that you are a part of a church on on earth. If you are not a part of the church of the living God on earth, you'll not be a part of the church in the heavenly city. It's very important for you to understand that. Because when, when we get to heaven, many of the people that are recorded in Ezra chapter uh, 8 is going to be recorded in the Lamb's book of life. But they are first recorded on earth. In a register on earth. And then we will see in a moment how Ezra examines the register and as he examines it, he determines who's in the book and then who's missing out of the book. So it's important for you to understand that, that it's important to be a part of a church, the church of God on earth, in order for you to be in the church of God in heaven. Does that make sense to you? So when the books of the dead or the books of the living are opened up, then we have the register of those who are alive unto God and they have come out of Babylon and they are serving God, and they're interested about the things of God. Now, what is sad is, the Bible tells us, if you go back to Ezra, 
that really, in comparison to how many people were in Babylon, really few people came out. Now, I've got a hum here. We may need to turn a microphone off or something. Mute, mute, maybe this mic. Maybe, y'all hear a hum? Is that just me? Okay, there's, there's a hum. We probably need to delete that mic, okay? Probably the worship mic. But anyway, do y'all understand what we're showing you here? A relatively small group of people that have come out of Babylon and are making their way up to the city of Jerusalem. It's all a type of, not my mic, brother, but it'll be another mic that's causing this, not mine. But they are a picture of people who have separated themselves unto God. They've come out of Babylonian confusion and they are following God. They're moving into the city of God, the Jerusalem of God, and they are recorded here in the passage for us. The question would be, am I a part of that register? Are you a part of that register? Are you all with me tonight? Amen. But these people here are separated. Chapter 8, these people in the register are separated unto God. They're holy. There are many people who are willing to stay in Babylon. They're willing to be rooted down into Babylon and to live in Babylon. It's a spiritual picture here. It's a type of many people who are in the church, so-called church, but they're willing to stay in Babylon and not willing to separate themselves unto God. So it's really a sad state for many of those people who wanted to stay in Babylon instead of go up and, and interest them, themselves with the things of the living God. But they are recorded by God by family. That means that God cares about every one of them. He takes note of each and every one of them by name that, that were willing to leave Babylon and willing to go to Jerusalem. He knows every one of you tonight in this church by name. He knows your families by name. That tells you that He cares about you. It's, it's not, it's not uh, Brother Carter's church. This is Jesus Christ's church. And, and each and every one of you who are born again of the water and the Spirit, you're His child. He has you recorded individually in that book. And your families are recorded in that book, provided that those family members are saved. God cares about you each and individual and each family that's in this church tonight. He, he knows every one of you by name and He cares about every one of you. So when you start feeling sort of out of place or you don't feel like you belong, you need to open up your eyes and understand that God cares about you. He knows you by name and He knows everyone that's in your family. And He's got it recorded in heaven tonight. Amen. Many of you tonight, and hopefully I am, praise God, I believe I am, uh, in the Lamb's Book of Life tonight. And... And Sister Christina's name would be there and Jeremiah's name would be there, you know. Praise the Lord. And so on and so forth because God cares about our family. Amen. Uh, I believe that God cares about me being a Christian. And, and, and first and foremost, I want to be a Christian before I'm a preacher. You can be a preacher. That'll make you a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I want to live as a Christian. I don't want to just be a pastor or a preacher to you. I want to be a Christian. And I want to be recognized as a Christian first. Christian first, and then as a preacher, and then as a pastor. Because you can be a preacher or a pastor and not be a Christian. So I want to be a Christian. I want to be known as a Christian. 
Hallelujah. I want to be known as a part of God's church on this earth so that someday I will be known by God in the heavenlies that I am a part of the book of the living. Say amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. You're here tonight. But God cares about every one of you in this house. So if you ever start thinking God doesn't care about me, this will teach you that God cares so much about the Israel of God, those that are concerned about the things of the Lord, that are willing to separate themselves out of Babylon and go to Jerusalem, that He records them as families by name. And He knows every one of you tonight that have come out of Babylon, religious Babylon, economical Babylon, spiritual, all these things we talk about in Babylon, you've come out spiritually out of that because you are connected to the head, Jesus Christ, and you love Him and you serve Him and you live holy before Him. I said you live holy before Him. In contrast to that old harlot that sits on the back of that scarlet-colored beast. And Revelation 17 describes the way she looks. You know uh, what a harlot looks like, praise God. You, are you all here tonight? By the Word of God. But the church of the living God is not going to be looking like a harlot. She's not going to dress like a harlot. She's not going to look like a harlot. She's going to be the chaste virgin of Jesus Christ. And when you see her, you're going to see her as a holy woman of God that loves God, that's going to dress like a woman of God and, and live like a woman of God. Amen? Because you're the bride of Christ. You're in the Lamb's book of life. And He cares about every one of you that will be in that Remnant, And so we see that laid out in this chapter. And I thank God that God takes the time. After everything He could say, He takes time to list every one of these families and calls them by name, lets us know how much He cares, and that He knows who belongs to Him. Say praise the Lord tonight. Amen? Now, when we get over to a place called Ahava in verse 15, Ahava is probably a tributary that flowed into the river Euphrates. We see Ezra take the register. And when he takes the register, he begins to examine the register, register to see uh, who is there and then who is not there. And he notices something very interesting. The Bible tells us in verse 15. He gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there abode we in tents three days, and I viewed the people and the priest and found there was none of the sons of Levi. So he sits down, he camps down, and for three days they're at this tributary flowing probably into the river Euphrates. He notices, okay, all right, we've got priests here. We know the priests that are here. We know the families that are here. He's reviewing the register. Do you understand? That we've already looked at basically. I didn't read them to you but in the previous verses. And he notices something that bothers him. And that is there's no Levites there. No Levites. Levites are missing out of this group of people. Now that's interesting because when the first exodus took place under Zerubbabel, remember we had a balance of priests versus the congregation. You remember that? Over 4,000 priests. And then we had uh, close to 5,000 or over 4,000, no, 40,000 people in the congregation. So basically there was a priest uh, uh, for every 10 people. So there was a balance. There was a proportion of priest for people. Amen. Now also in the second chapter of Ezra, it tells us there was only a small amount of Levites that came out with them in the first exodus. 
But here we have absolutely no Levites going out with the people. We've got priests, we've got the heads of the tribes, but we don't have Levites. And Ezra takes note of that as he looks at the register. Where are the Levites? Because this is very important for the work of God to be done. Now you need to understand this. Back in Jerusalem, over in Jerusalem, the temple's up, it's going, everything's going real well, but the people still need reform. The people still need help over in Jerusalem. Even though the temple's built and everything's going on there, there still has to be somebody to teach the people the Word of God lest they fall into false worship like their fathers. And they be also de defeated by that false worship. So we see Ezra, notice that the Levites are not there in Leviticus chapter 10. Let's go there. And we will see the importance of the Levites. Praise the Lord. In verse 11, Amen. You remember uh, Nadab and Abihu offering strange fire up to God that they were burnt by fire. And uh, one of the statements that is made there concerning the Levites, or the priests, in this case, says, um, verse 11, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. So one of the purposes of the Levites was to teach the people of God the Word of God. Amen. Now, they were to serve the temple of the Lord. They were to minister to the people of God. And then also they had another duty, and that was to teach the people the Word of God. So the temple's up and going, but there still has to be reform in the people. The people still need to be taught the Word of the Lord, lest they, listen to me carefully, move into false worship. Now we're going to see as we move a little bit further in the book of Ezra that the people in many places are backslidden. And so when Ezra takes a view of the register and he finds out there's no Levites there, he knows how important it is to get the Levites in place. Because the people over in Jerusalem, even though the temple is going, they need to be instructed in the ways of God and the Word of God. Amen. They need to be reformed. They need to have personal revival in the congregation. And so Ezra is going to fix this problem. It's an out-of-balance situation because there's no Levites uh, to, to help uh, in the ministry of the temple and serving the temple and teaching the Word of God. We need some men of God to teach the Word of God to the people and to reform them and bring them into restoration. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So if you don't have that, you don't have leadership, proper leadership in place. So Ezra's going to make sure that he's got proper leadership in place so that there'll be a proper proportion and a proper balance leadership versus the people so that they can be taught the ways of God and the truth of God. Say praise the Lord. And so Ezra does not only detect the problem, but Ezra will fix the problem. Because he knows if he doesn't get this leadership in place, it's going to affect everything that's going on in Jerusalem. It'll bring an improper balance to the church. There will not be leadership there to teach the people the Word of God the way they should be instructed. And so Ezra detects the problem, but he fixes the problem. 
He knows it's very important that we get the Levites who are missing so that everything is in place that the Word of God and the work of God can continue properly. Amen. It's one thing to detect a problem. It's another thing to fix a problem. And Ezra doesn't just detect a problem. Ezra fixes the problem by making sure he gets proper leadership in place. Say amen. Now if you get leadership in place, proper leadership in place, and you get things in order, then what you will have is a healthy body. Now Jesus Christ is the ultimate head. Correct? He's the head of the body of the church. You are the body of Christ. I'm a part of the body of Christ. But Jesus is the head. If you get a healthy body, that body is going to do something for itself. But you get some things that don't have leadership in it, a body that doesn't have leadership in it, then something's going to happen in that body. But in order for a body to be healthy, remember we're talking about the Israel of God here. We're talking about the body, if you will. Amen. In covenant. There has to be leadership in that body. If there's not leadership in that body, you're going to have a sick body. You understand that? Any church that does not have leadership in it is going to be a sick church. And Ezra knows that. So he's going to fix this problem, make sure the leadership is there so that the body will function properly. Now, if you just talk about your body, physical body, if your body, are y'all here tonight, is healthy, it will self-align. You understand? If you've got a healthy body tonight, your systems, all the various systems in your body are going to align. They'll just automatically self-align. In a healthy body, a healthy body will self-correct. Amen? It'll, it'll just, everything will start, it'll function right, it'll be, it'll be in proper order, everything will be going good in a healthy body. Self-correction in a healthy body. Self-alignment in a healthy body. Amen. But you get a body that is not healthy and it's the systems in that body are all out of order. Okay? If you don't have a healthy body. Does that make sense? Healthy body, self-alignment, self-correction. Unhealthy body, no self-alignment, no self-correction. The systems that are in your body are all messed up. Everything gets out of order. Do you understand? For example... If your body is too uh, acidic, got too much acid in its system, cancer thrives on acidic systems. So it's important that your body be alkaline. Say alkaline. And what's interesting is you, when you eat fruits and, and whatnot, fruit is a citric acid, you know, you eat an orange, a citric, cit, cit, a citric acid, but when you eat it, it has an alkaline effect on your body. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if your body's too acidic, if it's, if it's unhealthy, then guess what? Cancer's gonna thrive in that acid environment. Because cancer loves an acidic environment. But you get the thing proper, you get a healthy body, it's proper, uh, it's got proper alkalinity in it, so on and so forth, proper protein, proper carbohydrates and all that. And as you know, not too much sugar, so on and so forth. That body, if it's healthy, then the system is not gonna be conducive to, uh, cancer and other things. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Amen. Most of the sicknesses in our bodies are caused by degenerative things. Degenerative diseases that are created 
uh, by our lack of taking care of our bodies. That could be avoided if you just took care of yourself and understood that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and that God requires you to take care of your body. If you don't take care of your body, you're defiling the temple of God and God will judge you for that. So you need to take care of your physical body. And if you do, it's amazing how if your body, if you're healthy, amen, praise God, it's going to self-align, it's going to self-correct itself. But you get somebody that doesn't care about their physical body and it will create all kinds of disorder in that body. It won't it self-align, it will not self-correct. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a lot of times, you go to a doctor, you got all kinds of problems in your body, it's not healthy. He says, okay, we need to fix your body. You need to start eating white. You need to exercise. You need to drink more water. You need to stop smoking and dipping and eating all that greasy food all the time. Hallelujah. You with me tonight? And it's amazing when you start taking care of your body, how all of a sudden your body starts lining up. Diabetes goes. Amen? Heart disease gets straightened out. In some cases, cancer is gone because you take care of your body. I'm just trying to tell you, when you got a healthy body, it will self-correct and it will self-align itself. But you get a body that's sick, everything in that body can be touched with that sickness. One thing will create a problem in another area. So on and so forth. Say amen tonight. So Ezra understood. Now I'm talking about a physical body, but that's the way it is in the church. And Ezra understood if you're going to have a body of people, and we have them listed here in the register, it is important for you to have proper leadership in that body. Ultimately, Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. But there are leaders that are set up in that church to make sure that that body stays healthy. Because if it ever gets unhealthy, it will no longer self-correct. It will no longer self-align. It'll be like a wild, you know, cells in the body. You understand what I'm saying? If it's not a healthy body, you're going to have cells in that body that go run amok. Cells run amok. Amen? I remember one time I had a place uh, on my hip and I had it from a child. It just, you know, it just got a little bit bigger with time, a little bit bigger with time. And a doctor saw it one day. He said, you need to go get that checked out. And I did. And I went to the doctor and the doctor cut it out. And uh, it, was, it wasn't malignant or anything like that. It was a, it was a small uh, contusion. And it wasn't malignant tumor or anything. And um, he told me, he went and tested and everything. And I said, well, what caused that place, that growth uh, on the side of my hip there that, that caused it to grow like that? He said, well, just sometimes cells in your body just go run amok. They just go wild on you. And he said, what those cells are in, that were in that, even though it wasn't malignant, uh, deadly, he said what it was was a bunch of cells that just got together and they just went crazy on you. They, went, they were cells run amok. And these cells that run amok created a tumor. Do you understand that? And so you get a church that doesn't have proper headship in it and the body's not healthy, what you're going to have is a bunch of cells in that body that are cells run amok. And if you've got cells run amok, that means they're not obeying the will of the body they're in. 
They're not obeying the will of the head. They're just doing their own thing. Say praise the Lord. And these cells that are run amok, not obeying the head, will eventually create tumors instead of healthy flesh. Amen. And so Ezra understood how important it was to make sure that we've got leadership in place so that this body can be a healthy, thriving, self-correcting, self-aligning body. Are y'all here tonight? And we, you've got to have headship. You've got to have leadership in place to make sure that body is healthy. But you get somebody in the church, they don't want to listen to the head anymore. Then they're going to be cells run, run amok and they're going to create tumors instead of healthy flesh. And so Ezra understood these principles about how important it has to have leadership in place. Amen. You don't want a Frankenstein church. There's too many Frankenstein churches uh, uh, in the world today. Frankenstein, they're soulless and they're spiritless churches. You understand what I'm telling you? Woo, glory to God. They have the appearance, they have the appearance of being alive. But really, they're the devil. Really, they're a demon. Amen. Now, praise God. Y'all don't go, don't go watch Frankenstein. Frankenstein wasn't the name of the monster. Frankenstein was the name of the guy that made the monster. But it was a soulless, spiritless kind of individual that walked around. You know what I'm saying tonight? And uh, he was recognized basically as a demon. And that's what happens a lot of times in churches, especially in this last day. We are moving at a time of apostasy. Jesus said there would be apostasy like the world has never seen. There would be a great falling away. And what you will have is Frankenstein churches all over the place. Or you might have a Frankenstein individual in the midst of your church. They are spiritless and they are soulless kind of individuals. Are you hearing with me tonight? full of all kinds of spirits and they are monsters instead of uh, servants of the most high God. I don't want to be a monster. I want to be a healthy body. I want to be full of spirit and full of soul for God. I want to be in proper alignment with my head. And I want leadership to be in place in this church so that we will not be void of soul and void of spirit. I don't want a cancerous situation where we have cells in the body that are run amok. I don't want a body where everything in that body is sick. It can get so bad that the whole body is sick. All the systems are out of order. Everything is messed up. Are y'all here tonight? with me if you are say praise the Lord somebody say praise the Lord again and Ezra understood the importance of having leadership or Levites as I read to you Leviticus 10 that could teach the people the word of God so they wouldn't go stray they wouldn't go start doing their own thing and become sick like their fathers were and Ezra knew it was very important to make sure all of this was in place. I'm telling you tonight, this church right now, we are in a great battle in the spirit. There is a spiritual warfare that is going on. You don't have to believe it. I'm still going to sound the trumpet in Zion and tell you that it's a reality. Are y'all here tonight? I love every one of you tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. We even have a little bit of stuff going on in leadership that's not what it should be. Do you understand tonight that the Levites should have been the first ones there to support Ezra 
when Ezra leads them out of Babylonian confusion and leads them to Jerusalem, the Levites that minister in the temple of God, that taught the people the word of the Lord, that ministered to the people, they should have been the first ones there upholding the hands of Ezra as Ezra sought to bring these people out of Babylon. But these leaders are nowhere to be found. Are y'all here with me tonight? It is very important that we have uh, leaders that you can trust. Leaders uh, that I can trust. Say praise the Lord. And so we see Ezra. He's going to send various ones over uh, to a location to get some Levites. Uh, amen. Say praise the Lord. And, and these men that he sends to get the Levites are well known to Ezra. He trusts them. He knows them well. Hallelujah. They've been proven. And uh, they're going to go over there and they're going to get some Levites and they're going to get some Nephanims uh, which are servants in the temple of the Lord and they're going to fix this problem, this imbalance, this disproportionate situation so that there can be a healthy situation going forward. How many of y'all want this church to be healthy? That each one of us, including your pastor tonight, have to be in our place. We have to have order, praise God. If the pastor asks you to pray, you need to be in the prayer room. You don't need to be wandering around. Nobody knows where you are. You need to be accountable, hallelujah, especially leadership. Your pastor keeps an eye on things like that. Who's praying and who's not praying. It's important to God that the leaders of this church be men uh, that are full of the Holy Ghost. Men of wisdom and understanding. Hallelujah. And if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm sorry tonight. If I'm spanking you just a little bit, maybe you need to be spanked just a little bit. I want this church to be healthy, but more importantly, the head, Jesus Christ, the head of this body, wants this church to be thriving. He wants it to be healthy. He wants it to be self-aligning and self-corrective. And the only way that can possibly happen is if you've got good leadership in place, starting with the pastor. Flowing out from there to servants in the house of God, trustees, and then eldership uh, preachers that preach the Word of God, that stand over you to the direct the people in the ways of God, that are in touch with the Spirit of God, that knows what God is doing. Better support Ezra as Ezra seeking to bring the people out of Babylonian confusion into Jerusalem, the heavenly city of God Almighty. You can't make it without proper leadership in your life. Everything will just go to pieces on you. And you're like, well, what's going on in our life? Everything's going to pieces because headship or leadership is not in its proper place in your life. Say amen. amen. How many of y'all understand how important it is to have proper leadership in your life? Ezra knew that. He detected the problem. He looked over the register. He found out that some people were missing. They're missing. But Ezra was the one that fixed the problem. And it's on my shoulders when I get in these type of situations, if they arise, that I correct the problem. I don't just detect the problem. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I I think I'd just rather call uh, everybody that's called to be a leader to get on it. To get where you need to be in God. Because I don't want to always be changing people. Are you hearing me tonight? I don't always be changing people all the time in leadership, trying to find somebody else. Because obviously we don't have 1,500 people here in the church tonight that we can pick from. Hallelujah. 
So we keep firing you. Pretty soon we fire everybody. We don't have anybody left to, to put in the position. Say amen. amen. But hopefully God has got some people in this church that are willing to be leaders. These Levites at this point are not willing to be leaders. They're not found. They're missing. They're not in their place. And Ezra has to go find some in a different location. Hallelujah. But he takes care of the problem. Let me just say this because I don't want to come across all negative tonight. I thank God for the leaders that we have. Praise the Lord. Whether they be trustees or, or preachers that preach the Word of God or so on, Sunday school teachers, whatever, uh, youth leaders, whatever they are. Uh, thank God for the leaders that we have. But we have to function properly. We... Say amen. And so Ezra recognizes the problem and then he fixes the problem. Thank God. So the Bible tells us in verse 16, he sent, I, he sent I for Eleazar. Then sent I for who? Eleazar. For Ariel. For Shimei. For Elnathan. And for Jerob. And for Elnathan. And for Nathan. And for Zechariah. And for Meshulam. Chief men also. For uh, Joereb. And for Elnathan. Men of understanding. Say men of understanding. I sent them with commandment unto Ido the chief at the place Casaphia, and I told them that they should say unto Ido and to his brethren the Nethanims at the place of Casaphia that they should bring unto us ministers for the house of our God. So Ezra got it together. He said, all right, I got a problem here. There's some things that are out of balance. There's some things that are not proportional here. And I've got to get some leadership in place. So I'm going to send some men that I know, men that I can trust, men of truth, men that have understanding. And I'm going to send them to Casaphia here. And they're going to go and they're going to find us some Levites because we need some Levites. Levites are scarce. I mean, he could... Really, I mean, it's not a good thing, but you kind of understand the situation. Uh, how, I mean, you didn't have, you know, have too many volunteer ministries going on here. They looked at the situation and said, well, I think we just stay right here. We're doing all right right now. Why, why, why surrender? Why to get involved with all of that? You know, hallelujah. But God knows we need them. Amen. And Ezra knew he needed them. So he sent men of understanding, men he could trust, men that he knew. Hallelujah. That had been with him a long time. So are y'all with me? And they went. And they got some Levites and even some Nethanims, some more servants for the house of the Lord. Say amen. So that there would be a balance. There would be a balance of those that could minister to the congregation. There would be a proper proportion of ministry versus the people. And not only just people that could teach the Word of God, but he said, get us some Nethanims, some people that are willing to serve the house of God. Somebody that's willing to pick up the trash. Somebody that's willing to rake up the leaves. Somebody that's willing to do this and to do that. Because you have to have a balance of teaching with serving. Everybody can't teach. Praise the Lord. Not everybody can teach. So we need some Nethanims also. Some people that are just willing to serve. Hallelujah. If you can't teach, you don't preach the Word of God, at least you can do something around the church and, and fix this and fix that. And so... The Bible tells us they got Levites, men that were able, they could teach the Word of God. But then you got Nethanim, servants of the house of God, people that could do some work around, around the house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. A balance of working and a balance of teaching 
must be in the church. It can't all be teaching. And it can't all be working. you got to have a balance of teaching and a balance of working. And so Ezra got that taken care of. He got some Levites that could teach and he got some Nethanims that could do some service around the, around the house of God. Say praise the Lord. How many of y'all love Jesus tonight? And the Bible tells us in verse 18, and by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Mahil, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, and Sherebiah with his sons and his brethren, 18, and Hashabiah with him, Jeshiah of the sons of Merah, his brethren and their sons, 20, and also of the Nethanims, whom David and the princes had appointed for the service of the Levites, 220 Nethanims, all of them <clears throat> were expressed by name. So we got Levites and we got Nethanims and they're called by name, so on and so forth. Uh, we got that problem fixed. Amen. So the work of God will not suffer. We got that problem fixed. Say praise the Lord, church. It's important then that the body be healthy. It's important that the body has a proper balance and proportion of leaders versus the congregation so that everything will walk in self-alignment and self-correction and be what it's supposed to be if it's healthy. Hallelujah. But we sure don't want a Frankenstein situation. We for sure don't want a cancerous situation. We for sure don't want a sick body. And everything's out of order. There's nothing in order. Everything is messed up. Diabetes in the body. Cancer in the body. All kinds of health issues, cardiovascular disease, and so on and so forth. You don't want all of that. One thing leads to another. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all want a healthy body? Well, you got to make sure that you got the proper amount of white blood cells in you. Not just red blood cells, but white blood cells in you. So when pathogens come into your body, those white blood cells attack those pathogens. They'll get you. Amen. You hear me tonight? It all works together. We've got to have some white blood cells. Praise the Lord. Maybe I'm one of them white blood cells. The pathogen comes into the body, I go... <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we need some white blood cells. Somebody that will be on the defense. Somebody that will protect the body. Somebody that will eat the pathogens that try to come into the body of Christ Jesus Christ. It's His church. It's His... His he died for this church. He died for you. He died for this body. It should be healthy. It should be thriving. It should be self-aligning. It should be self-correcting. It should be a body of spirit, of life, of order. For sure not run amok. Man, when he got through, that doctor got through cutting that tumor. Well, not healthy flesh, you know. He cut that tumor off. And I just was so curious when he got through. I wanted to go look and see what it looked like. He is laying over there in the tray, you know, what used to be a part of me, <laughs> laying over here in the tray. And I went over there and I looked at him and I go, ooh, man, it was, it was gross. I'm not going to even describe it to you. It was so gross. Hallelujah. And a body that's got that kind of run amongst cells in it, you know, and it's, it may not be malignant, but it's, you know, it's not going to kill you, but it's still going to create tumors in the body. And if you could just see it after it gets, take the cover off of it. It'll gross you out, man. 
It might not kill the church, but it's gross. Amen. It creates all kinds of knots and tumors and hallelujah. We want smooth skin. Say praise the Lord. No tumors allowed. Only healthy flesh. No grotesque under the skin hiding things. We don't want any of that. It's, it's nasty, man. Hallelujah. He said, we're going to take this and we're going to send it to the lab and they're going to test it and let us know, you know, if it's malignant. I said, all right. Well, thank God it wasn't malignant. I'm still here today. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many want to keep your physical bodies the way they're supposed to? They're going to keep them healthy. And your body will just self-align and self-correct. You let it go wild, let it do whatever it wants to do, eat whatever it wants to eat. It's just going to be one big mess. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. I want a healthy church. I want to be a part of a healthy church. How many of y'all want a healthy church? So we need, we need leaders. Amen. Leaders that are in their place. Pastor needs to be in his place, obviously. If I'm not in my place, the whole thing's going to get messed up. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Amen. So we got that taken care of. He's not going to ever fail. Amen. He knows exactly what his will is. He's going to send down his will. He's going to declare it through his word to us. We know what that is, right? He's the head, not me. I'm just an under shepherd of Jesus Christ, but I have a role to fulfill. And I want to fulfill the role that I have. You have a role to fulfill. You might be a Levite. You might be a Nethanim. Is that the way you say that? Yeah, Nethanim. You might be a Nethanim. Just a servant in the house of God. But everybody's needed in order for the work of God to function properly. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Y'all look at me like y'all don't even know what I'm talking about tonight. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? How many of y'all know we're in church tonight? Even know the Bible Center Fellowship right here? And it, we're preaching the Word of God and you're a part of the register, right? Amen. Well, you're fixing to be. Hallelujah. We had sister got the, got the sheet out and she's taking names and all kinds of information on you so you can be a part of the register. Hallelujah. Say, well, I don't need to be a part of a church. Well, okay. Praise the Lord. Yes, you do. You need to be a part of the church. You need to have proper leadership in the church. So pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders, amen, that are in our church. We want it to be healthy. We got some good healthy cells out there. How many healthy cells are out there? If you're a healthy cell, lift your hand. If you're a healthy cell. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about your body's ravished with disease because you don't take care of it. I'm talking about you're a healthy cell in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're helping the body live. We don't, we don't have any run amok cells in here, do we? Any wild cells that's not obedient? We don't have any of those. Thank God, if we did, we're going to kill them right now. We're going to find them. We're going to inject them with something. Hallelujah. We inject them with the Word of God. We inject them with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. We're going to inject them with something. We're going to fix them. We've got to cut you out, cut you off, throw you in a tray, send you up for exam. Praise the Lord. Hope it comes back. You're not malignant, but we still don't want you because you're ugly. 
<laughs> it's gross, man. I wish I could tell you what that looked like. It's just nasty. You know? And it looked like a little old place, you know, a little old place on the side of my hip. When he got through, it looked like there was a ton of stuff in there, man. I said, where do you find all that, man? You'd be surprised what's underneath the skin. Woo! How many of y'all are self-correcting? You better be. You have to be self-correcting to be healthy. If you're healthy, you'll be self-correcting. If you're healthy, you'll correct yourself. If you're healthy, you're going to align yourself the way you're supposed to. If you're healthy. If you're not healthy, you're not going to self-correct or you're not going to align yourself with anything. How many of y'all are healthy tonight? The Bible says if you would judge yourself, you would not be judged with the world. First Corinthians chapter 11, I believe, is Jesus talked about that. Judgment day. If you'll judge yourself right now, you won't be judged with the world. Say praise the Lord. You start going run amok. You start going crazy. Hallelujah. You judge that situation. You judge yourself right now. See, I judge myself because I don't want to be judged by God. If I'm not what I'm supposed to be, I'm going to judge myself right now. Right now. I'm going to correct it. I'm going to line myself the way I'm supposed to be. Because if I don't, I'll be judged by the Lord. How many of y'all are healthy? How many of the last couple of days you, you, you've, been self, you've been self-correcting? You've been correcting yourself the last couple of days. Anybody in here been correcting yourself? Anybody in here been... You're aligning yourself. You were out of, you know, out of line and everything. You know where your spirit is. Hallelujah. And you got yourself in, you're, you got your head on straight now. You're lying. And how many of y'all today can tell me the last few days you've been doing some correction? If you're not, you're not healthy. You're not healthy. Because a healthy body will say, that's not right. I'm not thinking right. I'm not talking right. I'm not acting right. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. A healthy body corrects itself. A healthy body aligns itself. It does it on its own. Pastor don't have to call everybody. If it's a healthy body, pastor don't have to call everybody and correct them and align everybody that's in the church. People that are healthy in a healthy church, they just align themselves and correct themselves. So if you haven't corrected yourself in the last couple of days, there's something wrong with you. I'm staying away from you. I'll inject you or do something to you from a distance, but I'm going to keep my distance from you. You haven't been correcting yourself. I correct myself all the time. All the time. Say praise the Lord. And sometimes you just got to get humble before God. And say, God, I, Lord, just I, I can't do this. I, I, you, will you take my case, Lord? <laughs> will you heal me? Will you fix me? I'm repenting right now. I'm repenting. I need to repent. I need to repent. I need to correct myself. I have, I've been going to that church, Bible Center Fellowship for years and haven't had a personal move of God in my life for years. When's the last time you had a move of God in your life? When's the last time you had a personal revival in your life? When's the last time you felt Jesus Christ? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? When's the last time you had a prayer meeting with yourself? A prayer meeting with yourself. 
in Jesus Christ. When's the last time? Hallelujah. The only way you'll do that is if you're correcting yourself and aligning yourself. And only healthy, healthy people do that. Amen. That's why sometimes, and I pray it's none of us, you'll come across people that have been, they got religious, and they've been in the church for years and years and years, and all they are now is just religious. And they're bitter and they're mean. Amen. You hear me tonight? They got the outward look, but they're full of death. They haven't had a personal move of God in their life in years, but they still claim to be in the church of Jesus Christ. God help us to have short accounts with our Savior. Short accounts with our Savior. I'm not what I need to be to that body. I'm not what I need to be to that church. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in relationship to that church. I haven't been doing my part like I should in that church. And if you're not doing that, you're sick. You need to be correcting yourself and aligning yourself daily. Paul said, I die daily. What he said, I'm repenting daily. I find stuff in me all the time that doesn't need to be there. Every day of my life. If you're not doing that, you're a danger. You're a danger to the body of Christ. Say praise the Lord. I don't want to be a danger. Come on, when I come into the house of God, I want to have my spirit right. I want, I want to be right. I want to be where I need to be in the body of Christ. If I'm part of headship, I want to be anointed. If I'm part of leadership, the beard of Aaron, I want to be anointed. If I'm part of the body, the garment that goes down to the feet, I want, I want to be anointed because it works together that way. The unity of the brethren. Headship, leadership, and fellowship. And Ezra understood the importance of that. See, Ezra's a picture. He's the top of the head. Jesus Christ. Amen. And he understands I need to get proper leadership here. Got some priests, but I need some Levites. And I need some Nethanims. Because I've got a body of people that I need to make sure that they're going to be healthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're in the register, register of Jesus Christ. They're part of His church. And we've got to make sure that they're taken care of. And those, those are gifts from God to the body. Ephesians chapter 4. Resurrection gifts from Jesus Christ to His church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, so on and so forth. And then, then you have, uh, uh, the Bible talks about um, trustees. We call them trustees in some cases. Uh, but they are um, deacons and whatever. Uh, people that serve. We need that in the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Because it's God's church, not mine, it's yours. Say praise the Lord. Amen. So tomorrow or tonight before you go to bed, if you're healthy, say, Lord, i got to correct myself. i got to align myself, Lord. Everything should be in proper order in my life. Amen. Because I don't want to infect or affect the body of Christ Amen. and bring sickness into it. Amen. I, I don't want to do that. Do you understand that? Every one of us, when Jesus Christ looks at us, He looks at us as one new man. Amen. He looks at us as a body. A body, the body of Christ. Amen. Individually named because He cares about every one of you. He, he knows you by name. He cares about every one of you individually. 
But when He looks at you, He looks at you as a body too. And so we all have a part in this church to make it healthy. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God. And then after He gets through taking care of that problem so it doesn't affect the work of God, and the Bible tells us in verse 21, they're still there at that Ahava, that place of Ahava, that tributary. And I love Ezra because he just gets honest. He gets honest about the situation. He looks at the body of Christ and he knows that in this eight to 900 mile journey, there's going to be great danger. He knows it. He knows there's going to be enemies all over the place. And it's a type of the journey of the church in this world on their way to the heavenly city. And it's fraught. It's surrounded by all kinds of enemies. It's a long journey until you reach that heavenly city. And Ezra knew it. He looked at the situation after reviewing the register. He's got a proper balance now and proper uh, proportionality now the body and the leadership. He's got that taken care of. It feels good. But then he looks at the overall situation. We're fixing to make a long journey to the city of God. And there's going to be enemies all around him. And Ezra is just honest. You know? He could have gone to Artaxerxes and said, Artaxerxes, would you give me a little help? Would you give me an escort to Jerusalem? Because I'm a little bit concerned about all the enemies we're going to face. Could you give me a little help? An escort? But Ezra starts thinking out loud. And he says, you know, that'd be nice if I could go to the king Artaxerxes and ask for an escort to get us there safely to Jerusalem. But he said, I remember telling the king something. I remember talking big talk. I, I, remember, ta- I remember telling the king how we trust God. And I remember telling the king how that, that God will take care of us. I remember talking big. And he said, because he remembered talking so big that he was ashamed to go and ask the king for an escort. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to have to live what I said. I said God would take care of us. And so now I'm going to have to live what I said. And I'm going to have to show that what I said wasn't just words. But it was a reality. I'm going to live what I said. I, I, I told somebody not long ago, it's one thing you can never preach you can preach about warfare and battle and, you know, faith, trust in God. You can get up and preach it, you know, hallelujah. And you're not going through anything. You talk real big until you get put right in the middle of the battlefield. And what you've been talking with your mouth, is it a reality in your life? And that's where Ezra was. He would talk the big talk. He said, God would take care of us. And now he comes to the realization that what he was talking, now he's got to live it. 
It's one thing to preach it, but it's now it's time to live what I said. See, and that, that's one thing about preachers. You know, we can get up, man, we can we can really preach, man. And we can talk about faith and having faith in God and you know, hallelujah. We trust God. God gonna take and then you go through a battle and all of a sudden. Where's the trust you preached about? And that's where Ezra was. Because he preached to Jesus. He preached to God that you could trust and a God that would take care of you. And because he preached that, because he said that, he said, now I got to live it, but I'm really facing it now. It's not just talk now, it's living it. Come on, are y'all hearing me tonight? Anybody want to hear what I got to say from the Word of God to you? Anybody want to see? A lot of people make a talk a good talk, but are you living it? We say, how we trust God. God can take care of us. God can do this. And then when we get in the battle, is it a reality? What we said, is that a reality in our life? And I appreciate Ezra because Ezra is just absolutely honest. He said, I said some things. Now I got to live what I said. I said we could trust God. I said God would take care of us. And so now, we're going to do it. We're going to trust Him. I said it, now we're going to do it. I'm going to trust Him. How many of y'all love Jesus tonight that way? You can put your money where your mouth is. You can talk real big, but it's one thing to talk real big and then just to live it. Come on, live it! Live it, live it, live it! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, man, if I can't, if I can't get you stirred up, I can't get this little church stirred up, I can't get a church of 500 stirred up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live in a fantasy world. Live in a dream world. Are you kidding me tonight? Come on. It's one thing to say it, but do we live it? Do we really believe what we're saying? That's the point. And this man got honest. He just got honest. He said, I was ashamed. I was ashamed to go to the king and ask him for an escort. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So, in verse 21, he said he proclaimed a fast there at the river of Hava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to acquire of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way because we had spoken unto the king saying, The hand of our God is upon all of them for good that seek Him. But His power and His wrath is against all of them that forsake Him. So he looked to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> just got honest. He said, Now what I've been preaching we're going to bring it into reality. And we're going to look to God. And he said, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. You know what this man was doing? He was honoring God. And this man was loyal. loyal. I'm, going to say it, I'm going to say it again. This man was loyal to God. He honored God. He had said one thing about God. Can you imagine, after saying what he said about God, that the good hand of God was with him and he would take care of, the, uh, take care of them. For him to walk back into the king's palace and say, you know what, you better help us after all. And that king would say, well, what about the God you talked about earlier that would take care of you? That's right. 
What about him? And that king would have mocked Ezra. That's right. And that mockery would have dishonored God Almighty. And Ezra knew that. And Ezra refused to dishonor God. Ezra remained loyal to God and he honored God. And he said, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. I'm looking, Ezra was looking at 1,500 men plus children and women. Maybe somewhere around the neighborhood of 5,000 people in that congregation. And he's concerned that God would give them the way, give them the direction, that God would protect them. All these people. He was concerned about the little ones making it to Jerusalem. He was concerned about the adults making it to Jerusalem. That the papas and the mamas and the children and all of the, all the little kids, that they would make it safe to Jerusalem. He said, the only way that's going to happen, protect us from the enemy for 900 miles, is if we look to our God and Amen. honor our God Amen. and put into action what we've said with our mouth. And they started praying and they started fasting. If I, if I understand it correctly, it was for three days. Three days just calling upon God because they camped there for three days. Three days praying. Three days seeking the face of God for God to direct their path, for God to protect them from the enemy. Looking to God and in doing that, instead of going to man for help, He honored His God and showed His loyalty to His God. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? See, it's one thing. Yeah, God's going to heal me. And you never come for prayer for healing. You go straight to the doctor. And you're a Christian. That's alright. I don't have anything against doctors. But you said God would heal you. Amen? Do we believe Him? God's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my finances. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do we really live what we're saying? That's this man here. Just an honest man. He's thinking out loud. I was ashamed to ask the king for help. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be loyal to God. I'm going to honor my God. How many of you believe the Word of the Lord? Hallelujah. We're going to seek Him for the right way for our little ones and for all our substance. Because see, not only we have all these people going to Jerusalem, but they had a lot of money. A lot of money. And there were enemies all around that would try to destroy those people and take that money. Because they had money for him. King, what the king was, was given, and we talked a little bit about it last week, the king was given, and the offerings of the people of God, they're traveling 900 miles. And, and all of that, that, those valuables were in jeopardy along with those people. And they started seeking God, praying and fasting. See, fasting is in the Bible. That's right. It's a Bible thing. And praying and seeking God. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. There are times in your life, and in specific times, every day you get up in the morning, you're facing something. You understand what your pastor's saying? Every day I get up in the morning, I'm facing something. That doesn't mean I'm going to pray and fast about what I'm facing that day. But there are some times in your life that it's so large. It's so about God, His honor, and it's so about being loyal to God. It has to do with the, the, the moving of the kingdom of God. It has to do with the will of God. 
being loyal and honoring God, it moves to that level. And at that point, you know, I'm going to have to pray and I'm going to have to fast. Because this is big. This is not just everyday problems I'm facing. This is big. And i got to make sure I get the right decision. It's not just for your pastor to do or his wife. It's for you and the congregation. When you make huge decisions, big decisions in your life, you need to spend some time in prayer and fasting to make sure you've got God's direction showing you the way. Amen? And protecting you because there's going to be all kinds of enemies that you're going to be traveling through in that decision. Do you understand what your pastor's saying? It's not all the time, but there's certain times in your life that you'll have to set aside a time of prayer and fasting unto the Lord. Say amen. amen. And that's what Ezra did. He understood how important it was. We know the outcome of that uh, decision to pray and fast, and that is that God uh, brought them to Jerusalem. Verse 31, Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us. And He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and of such as lay in wait by the way. God heard that prayer and He heard that fasting. And He brought Ezra and, and not one of those people were harmed. Everyone, every husband, every wife, every child, every young person, the Levites, the priests, the heads, they all made it safe to Jerusalem. Because they took time to pray and they took time to fast. Amen. 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 And it was God's good hand on them that prospered them in the journey. So it's a picture of us as we're journeying. We're pilgrims. We're passing through. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our home is laid up somewhere on beyond the blue. We're in that. We're we're seeking for that heavenly city. And we are surrounded by enemies on every hand. And we've got to take time to pray and to fast and to see our way clear into that heavenly city. Amen? And if we'll do that, if we'll focus in on God, God can take care of us and give us a safe trip. Say praise the Lord. What a, a man of God. It honored God and stayed loyalty to His, to his God. And God honored that. It's beautiful, isn't it? So in verse 23, he said, So we fasted and besought our God for this, and He was entreated of us. Say amen. amen. How many of you prayed and fasted about situations in your life and you saw God step in and intervene? He's a faithful God. We've got a long ways to go. It's a long journey until we get to that heavenly city. We haven't arrived yet. So we're going to have to pray. have to pray. we have to seek God. Spend some time in fasting. God to help us. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then Ezra talks about he separates certain men. And they weigh the silver and the gold. These valuables are going to take up with them as well. So that they make sure that when they get, get to Jerusalem, they're going to weigh them again. So they weigh them before the journey starts and they're going to weigh them when they get there. And when they get there, it's going to be exact. Not going to be any gold missing, any silver missing. Everything's going to be weighed so they know how much they're starting out with and how much they end up with. Praise God. Say praise the Lord. And see, what you need to understand is a picture and is a type of what Jesus Christ gives to you 
in what He gives to me to do His work, to do His kingdom work. So I start out with a, with a certain amount of gifts and a certain amount of treasures from the kingdom. And when I stand before my King in heaven, He's going to take those gifts He gave me and He's going to weigh it. He's going to say, were you faithful with what I gave you? Were you faithful with the gifts I gave you? They made it all the way to the heavenly city. They're there. And accountability. Accountability. Someday God, is when we stand before the Lord, we're going to have to give an account to Jesus Christ for all the gifts that He's given us. When I stand before Him, I pray that He says, Enter in to the joy of thy Lord, thy good and faithful servant. I gave you this gift. You did something with it. Here it is. There's a day of accountability coming for every one of us in this church. Not just for your pastor, but for you. What God has given you someday, you need to have it to present to Him when you get to heaven. But Lord, I did something with the ministry you gave me. Called the gifts you gave me. The blessings you blessed me with, God. Hallelujah. Are y'all hearing what your pastor's saying? And somewhere along the way, as you make this journey, there's going to be some individuals that's going to be uh, with you that you'll give accountability to. For me, it's some of y'all. But it's not just the church people. My wife, my son, my daughter. When I stand before God on Judgment Day, these people that He has given me in my life, if I go into the grave tonight, or if I go in the grave in the future, the Lord's going to say, what did you do with that woman I gave you? What did you do with those children I gave you? I gave them to you while you were making your journey in life. Where are they today? Did you do everything you could to make sure that they arrive with you in that heavenly city? Did you do everything that you could or did you neglect what I gave you? Did you neglect your children? Did you neglect your wife? Did you neglect what I gave you in life to be responsible over? Because someday, every one of you tonight, church, is going to give an account for something God has given you. And He's going to ask you. He's going to say, where are they? Or where is that gift? Where is that talent that I blessed you with? to serve me in my kingdom. What would you do with your voice that I gave you to be able to sing my praises? What would you do with the money I gave you to finance my kingdom? What did you do with the gift to be able to speak or to preach? What did you do with that? Amen. What did you do? You had abilities. You had talents. Someday God is going to take it. He's going to weigh it. Now I pray to God that the gifts and the blessings He's given me when I stand before Him on Judgment Day and He weighs it all out, that I'll have what He gave me in this life to manage and to be a steward over. Because every one of us in this church tonight is a steward. You are a manager of the things of God. And He's going to ask me and He's going to ask you someday, what did you do with them? What did you do with that person? What did you do with that blessing? What did you do with that gift? 
I want to hear those words. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, thy good and faithful servant. You see, this, this very little, this little passage, little insignificant passage right here, beginning with verse 24, can be preached in every funeral. Every funeral. Because when you were born into this world, God gave you certain gifts and certain talents and certain people that when you die, when you stand before Him, He's going to say, where are the things I gave you? As you make your journey through life, someday you'll be in a casket. If Jesus doesn't come and wrap the church before you die, you'll be in a casket. He's going to ask you about everything He gave you. What you do with it. It's accountability. You waited. He gave you a wife. You just were you faithful to her? Were you faithful to her? He gave you children. Did you raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? He gave you blessings, he gave you a church, he gave you a pastor, he gave you brothers and sisters in the church. What'd you do with all of that that God gave you? Did you take it for granted? Did you neglect it? Because someday God's going to say, what'd you do with all of that? What'd you do with that church I gave you? What'd you do with the ministry I set over you in your life? What'd you do with all of that? He said, I gave it to you as a gift in your journey in the world. Accountability's coming someday to all of us when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to receive a reward. We're either going to lose it or we're going to receive it. It's going to burn up right in front of us what we could have done. It could have been for God. Or we're going to receive a reward because we built on, on it gold, silver, precious stones. Something of value to God. And so Ezra, when he separates these twelve chief priests, they weigh all these gifts out so that when they get up to Jerusalem, they're going to weigh it all out again. And when they get there, everything is going to be there. What they started with. What they started with, they're going to end with. Now when you think about that, you think, well, Pastor, when I get older, when I get older, then that's when I'm going to start. No, no, no. It's from the time you're born from the time you're born to the time you leave this earth you're doing something with what God's given you. And some of you tonight, you listen to your pastor, you may never see old age. You may go to be with the Lord as a young person. And when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to say, I gave you gifts. How'd you treat people? What'd you do with the people around you? What'd you do to mom and dad? How'd you treat mom and dad? How'd you treat your church? How'd you treat your pastor? What'd you do with everything I gave you? You go to be with the Lord before you reach old age. God's going to hold you accountable for everything you've done. There are people, young people just like you in the world that don't have a church tonight. They've never heard the truth. They've never heard about baptism in Jesus' name. They've never heard about the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. They've never heard the message of the gospel. They've never heard about the oneness of God. 
you have. And don't say, I'll live tomorrow. You don't have a promise of even tomorrow. And there's some people not even going to make it to heaven. They're going to be cast into hell because all the gifts and everything that God gave them in life, they didn't do anything with it to serve Him. So they'll be cast into a condition the Bible calls damnation or a condition of being lost. I don't want to bury my talents. I want to be faithful to my God. And so I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm preaching to you about that heavenly register that someday, hopefully, you and I will be in the Lamb's book of life, not the book of the dead, but the book of life. Hopefully someday I'll be there. But when I get there, there's going to be a weighing in the balances. What would you do with that healthy body I gave you? Did you defile it? Destroy it? Did you take care of it? Everything in life, you need to look at it from that perspective. Because God's going to weigh it in eternity. You don't take care of that temple of the Holy Ghost and you die early. The Lord's going to look at you and say, you could have lived another 20 years. You missed 20 years because you wouldn't take care of your body. You could have served me, but because you didn't take care of yourself, you lost your ability, your strength, your health to be able to serve me while you're alive. Do you understand how important these things are? You, miss, you married the wrong person. I, I had one set, set aside for you. For you. And you married the wrong person. All that. See, there's some things you don't even know. There's some things I don't even know that God's going to hold me responsible for on that day that He gave me. It's very important that we pray and we fast because we're not just carrying people with us to that city. We're carrying valuables, gifts of the Spirit, callings of God. That someday God, someday. We think sometimes, you know, man, that's so far away. I'm not going to worry about it right now. They, they, start, they, they counted it all and weighed it all out before they started that journey. I said before they started that journey. Not at the end of the journey, but at the start of that journey, they counted everything so that when they got at the end of the journey, and they had to give an account. See, some of us tonight, we need to align ourselves and correct ourselves. Because you and I know, I do and you do, know if we still got the gifts that He gave us. What are we doing with them? Amen? It's important, isn't it? This life is a vapor. You know, here today, gone tomorrow, as they say. Here today, gone tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Before you know it, every one of us, Brother Heath, every one of us, Jesus doesn't come back and rapture the church. Every one of us, here today, gone tomorrow. I promise you today, that man Walker's last name, I believe his name was Walker, last name, 
in that car with his friend driving that Porsche, that high-speed Porsche, $500,000 car driving it, speeding down the road. They said speed was involved with his death. Hit that tree and that light post. You couldn't even hardly recognize that car. It caught on fire. I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that people saw, eyewitnesses saw them trying to get out of that car and burn to death. He's fixing to finish, this, I believe, the seventh movie called The Fast and Furious. He died in that car. He's in eternity to today. I promise you, when he got up that morning, he never thought his day was going to end that way. Here today. God no more. You can't take it for granted and I can't take it for granted that we'll be here. I want to be faithful with everything everything that God has given me. Amen. That's why it's important. Keep close accounts with the Lord daily. You make sure you correct yourself. Make sure you align yourself. Make sure you do a little inventory. It's important I make sure that I take that I'm doing inventory. Am I praying enough? Am I putting God before me? Seeking His face? Am I praying enough to make it? Through all the dangers that are coming? Verse 30. So took the priests and the Levites the way to the silver and the gold vessels to bring them to Jerusalem and to the house of God. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem and the hand of our God was upon us. He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and of such as lay in wait by the way. Thank God for that. Yeah. Now sometimes you just, you just got to bow your head and say, God, this is bigger than me. Lord, will you take my case? Will you help me? Because I can't do this one. This is bigger than me. Lord, help me not be crushed under the weight. Do you understand what I'm saying? My wife read to me not long ago about the churches. Was it North Korea? Churches in North Korea, the people in North Korea, persecuted Christians there. When they pray, do you know that they pray? Persecuted Christians pray for the church in America. They pray for the church in America because the church has so much. The persecuted church of Korea prays for us. When they pray for themselves, they don't, they don't ask God, God, get us out of persecution. They pray, God, get us through the persecution. When she read that to me, I mean, that, that just blows my mind. 
Because if it's over, we pray, God, would you get us out of this persecution? Instead of saying, God, give me the strength. To make it through. Whatever I got to face. Let me be like those Korean Christians. But they're over there praying for us. They're persecuting. They're praying for us. They're concerned about us. Our affluence. Affluent. We're an affluent society. We have so much. They're praying for us because of that. That we would remain faithful to God. That we would remain faithful to God because we have so much. And they're praying that they would remain faithful to God through the persecution, not to get out of the persecution. Praise the Lord, church. You're going to have to help your pastor pastor too. Be a pastor. Don't, don't expect me to correct every situation in your household. Correct it yourself. I'm working on mine. I'm working on mine. I promise you. Correct it. You, you, you got eyeballs. Do something with the eyeballs. What you're seeing. Because God, yeah, I'm the pastor, but God's going to hold you accountable. God gave them safe victory with the persons that they left with and the money and the material things, the gifts. Verse 32, they came to Jerusalem and bowed three days. They stayed there three days. And on the fourth day was the silver and the gold and the vessels weighed in the house of our God. After three days in Jerusalem, you know, these three days, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but they fasted fast and prayed three days at the Hava there. And then now we got another three days when they get to Jerusalem, probably connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also probably connected to the third day, the millennial kingdom. But after three days, that's when they bring those vessels and gold and silver and everything and they take it to the house of God and they weigh it all out. They weighed it in the house of God of the hand of Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the priest, and with him was Eliezer, the son of Phinehas, and with them was Jehoshaphat, the son of Yeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benua, Levites, by number and by weight of everyone, and all the weight was written at that time. Also the children of those that had been carried away, which were come out of the captivity, offered burnt offerings unto God of Israel, twelve bullocks for all Israel, ninety and six rams, seventy and seven lambs, twelve he goats for sin offering. One, one sin offering for every tribe. All this was a burnt offering unto the Lord. See, all of this is typical of Jesus Christ and His finished work. It's all typical of the journey of the church and the registry of the church and the proper functioning of the body of Christ and the gifts and callings of God that He gives us and the accountability that we'll have when we make it there in that day. Sacrifice he made to redeem us. Verse 36 They delivered the king's commission unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors on this side of the river, and they furthered the people and the house of God. And they furthered the people 
in the house of God. The people in Jerusalem needed help. Ezra knew it. The people that were going up with him knew it. Levites knew it. The priests knew it. Everybody knew. Those people in Jerusalem need help. There needs to be reform. And you talk about encouraged. Can you imagine those people in Jerusalem looking up and seeing over 1,500 men and women and children showing up and walking and saying, yeah, we're ready to be set apart unto God too. We're going to serve the Lord too. And Amen. And we're going to further you and further the kingdom of God. And how, what encouragement that would have been to see Jerusalem increasing by numbers. Amen. Let it be said of this church that we're furthering the people of God and the kingdom of God with what you and I do.